Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Social PR Secrets. My name is Lisa Beyer and I am going to be your solo host for this episode. The topic I chose to talk about today is writing. Writing for public relations, writing for social media, writing for any type of content for a blog or possibly a press release or a guest post article. Whether you're in the public relations world or the digital marketing world, or you own your own business or work in-house, writing is one of the most valuable talents that you can have. The best advice that I can give is to write as much as possible. Get as much practice writing as you can. The best writers are typically the ones that write very frequently, multiple times a day. The way that I improved my writing skills was I just started writing a lot more often. I wrote four editions of Social PR Secrets. I wrote the book Digital Detox Secrets. I write blogs for my own agency. I write articles for clients. I guess write guest post articles for outlets such as Search Engine Journal. And in the past, I have been published in Mashable and Search Engine Watch and a variety of other digital marketing online publications. So in this episode, what I'm going to go through are just some of my social PR secrets to writing, pet peeves you might call them, tips, platforms that I love, words that I hate, and a whole bunch more. If you're trying to write your way to the top, this episode is for you. Enjoy and namaste. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Social PR Secrets. My name is Lisa Beyer, and I will be your solo host today. I'm going to be talking today, or actually sharing, just some of my thoughts and tips when it comes to social PR secrets and writing. So I'm going to mainly be talking about writing when it comes to press releases and articles, blog content. Some of this can also be applied to social media content. But I just wanted to go over some, some I think they're basics, but they might not be to everybody listening, but they're definitely important aspects when writing for public relations and also when you're wanting to get as much reach and exposure and you want to also attract somebody to not just read your headline, but then get interested enough to go through and actually maybe scan it and then to get to the next phase of actually reading the details of your article. So I'm just going to start with uh, kind of walk through the anatomy of an article. So one thing you start with is the main thing is going to be your headline. A couple things you want to keep in mind. You're writing for the reader. You're also writing for Google. You're also writing for something that might be shared in social media. So you want to first take into consideration that your headline is going to be what's going to grab the attention for somebody to decide in a couple seconds whether or not they're gonna be interested in this article. So you wanna make sure that your article, that your, I'm sorry, that your headline is going to not be very dry, that you want it to be enticing, and you want it to have topical words in it that's gonna tell them quickly what this is gonna be about and really draw them in. So you want to include some words that are descriptive, but that also might include some emotion to it and substance. And I'm just gonna give you one of my tips when it comes to writing headlines. What I'll do is, um, and some people write different. I personally have to write a working headline first before I can write the rest of my article. 
So that frames out what my article is going to be about. And it helps me write the next step would, would be an outline or the subheads of that article. And what how am I going to divide up that article? Um, and some people will use an outline framework. I like to just then break it up into the subheads and then fill in the content of those subheads. So there is a great, um, actually one of my tips is not to use the word great. So there is a very valuable and useful platform called CoSchedule and they have a free tool that is called CoSchedule Headline Writer. Actually, it's called CoSchedule Headline Analyzer. And what I love about the Headline Analyzer is it actually lets you put in different headlines and it gives you a score of one to 100. And what you wanna try to do is get to above a score of 70. And you can actually try a bunch of, maybe two different headlines out if you're gonna be publishing this and you can do an A-B test. So I like putting my headlines through Headline Analyzer by CoSchedule just to kind of get a feel for how well they're going to be, you know, basically what's their score. Another way that I get inspiration from headline writing is I'll look at BuzzFeed. I'll just kind of scan the latest headlines on BuzzFeed and I'll also scan um, print publications. So I'll, I love, I always get ideas for headlines when I'm actually in the grocery store at the checkout counter and I read what the latest headlines are for People Magazine or Cosmopolitan or the Wall Street Journal um, or Newsweek. Because if you think about it, those, those print publications, yeah, they're not dead yet, but those print publications are situated for somebody to make an impulse buy and pick it up, maybe read it while they're waiting to check out or um, pick it up and actually buy it because they liked what they saw, the, head, the, the teaser headlines on the cover. So that's where I get a lot of my inspiration. No matter what industry I'm writing for, um, if I just look and see what headlines in even the online version of the Wall Street Journal, USA Today is a great source. Look at the different headlines and how they're structured. And you can also get inspiration from online publications such as USA Today or you know, any industry publication. But I like using USA Today, Wall Street Journal as examples, um, New York Times, because their, their formatting and their structure is very journalistic style, and the headlines are meant to attract somebody into the story. So you can kind of, kind of like retrofit like what their formula is, like and see what was their hook in the subhead and what was their first sentence and how they, they started to frame out the actual article. So that's my tip for writing headlines. Uh, if you're not, well-versed in SEO writing, there's just some basics that I recommend every public relations and digital marketing professional should have a basic understanding of SEO writing and the different, um, if you're using a plugin, for example, Yoast, it will help you walk through this, um, this optimization process. But you want to also keep in mind that you want to have um, a meta title and a meta description that is going to be focused on a focus keyword phrase that's usually the topic of your article and that that is also written if you think about when you search for something on google and what the search results look like what the search results are showing they're actually showing not the headline of the article they're showing the meta title which sometimes is the same as the headline if somebody uses the same headline that they can do that um, but it's showing the meta title and meta description. 
And when somebody is searching for something, that meta title and meta description is basically the marketing of the attraction of getting somebody to click through that link and click through to, to your site or to your source. So you want to make sure that you're actually looking at your meta title and your meta description as writing something for marketing. Um, it also has to be optimized with the keyword, a focus keyword, typically front loaded. Um, you can learn more about this if you use Yoast um, and you can also sign up for SEO certification courses on Yoast. I highly recommend that source. So just taking you through a couple other steps in writing articles. So you wanna make sure that you use the H1, H2, H3 for your subheads. Um, and making sure that you have an intro paragraph and that intro paragraph is kind of the hook, a journalistic style that you're, you're gonna grab the reader and get them, you know, basically in the intro, they should be able to tell, okay, this is what this article is going to be about in more detail than the actual headline. And then you want to try to make your sentences short as well as your paragraphs. So today's readers are scanners. Some of them, most of them might be reading everything in, on their mobile device from their smartphone. So if you can um, imagine reading something that is um, very long paragraphs without subheads, you're going to lose them right away. So uh, try to break up your paragraphs into maybe the most would be 200 words, 300. 150 to 200 words would be ideal, and then breaking them up with subheads that are um, going to kind of break up the story into the, into the different sections. Um, using lots of bullets is also a good idea. I like to recommend using bullets. Again, it's taking the subheads and breaking them down a little bit more and just making your, your articles very scannable. Um, not saying that you're going to leave out the details, but you at least want to make your um, your article's scannable and useful if somebody only has time to just to look at it for maybe seven to 10 seconds. They're gonna, they might be able to get the gist of it and then maybe they'll come back and read the full article or maybe they'll subscribe to your blog and wanna get more if they liked what they saw. So again, making sure that you have subheads, um, you're using either bullets or lists and you're using very short sentences and also using um, like trying to avoid very, um, very uh, long words or, or very, uh, trying to think of the word, words that are very high level. Try to, try to write on a seventh grade level. You don't want to write articles on a very high level because um, you might lose people. Um, you want to end your article with a takeaway or a conclusion that ties in your intro. And I also like to recommend at least one to two quotes within your article that are gonna be maybe a quote from somebody um, that's an authority source with your company or your brand, or you find somebody to quote. So use two to three um, outside sources. Um, that might be some statistics and you're gonna be um, sourcing those statistics. Um, it might be a quote from an industry expert or somebody from within your brand, or it might even be a quote from you. And I also like to, re to recommend that you end all of your articles with some sort of a call to action. So that call to action might be as simple as if you liked this article, then you might also like this article. Or if you liked this article, you might be interested in following us on social media here. Um, it could be even more um, focused on some sort of a, 
a conversion where you want them to sign up for your um, for sign up to for your blog or sign up to maybe they you're asking them to download something so that you can collect their email address um, and then you could retarget them using email. So depending on what the purpose of your article for is, if it if it's an article for your blog or you're writing for a publication, um, that might not fly with them and they're gonna have their own writer's guidelines. Um, a lot of what I'm going over, um, these are some of the, the requirements when I'm writing, for example, for Search Engine Journal, um, they give me these writer's guidelines. And I just like mimicking what publications um, and actual um, media outlets, the, the AP journalistic style guidelines are what I recommend for all of my clients to use for their blogs um, that they need to um, write like a journalist and structure their blog posts like the media does and um, be their own, be the media. I'm just gonna also go over some pet peeves of mine that I'm just not making this up, but um, I started reading some articles and I'm sure while I'm actually going over this, I've made some of these mistakes by using some of these words because when you're talking, it's, it's harder to just hit delete and go backwards. Although this is audio and maybe I'll be able to delete some of my buts and that's and some of these filler words that um, when you're writing, um, you might not realize it until you actually start paying attention to some of these words that you, you'll see um, if you're, the one writing or if you're editing, um, some of these words that are just actually pretty useless. Um, my number one pet peeve word that I ask my writers to just avoid is the word that, T-H-A-T. So it, it really is one of the most, it's the top filler killer word that I have ever seen. There is no other word that I have seen when I'm editing something that I could just do a quick find and see how many times the word that is used in an article proof that I'm proofing. And many times it's over 20 times. And you could just go and find each word, each, each time the word that is used. And I would say nine times out of 10, you can just delete the word and not make any edits and, and it makes it just cleaner. So um, I challenge you to, when you're writing something, when you're done, search for the word that and see how many times you've used it and see if you can delete almost all of the uses of it. It's usually not 100%, but I love um, challenging my writers to that and they actually can see the difference. A couple other filler words that are um, easy to use, um, but also easy to avoid if you have this list. So the word just. Just is also one of the top filler killer words that, that you can think of. So um, an example, I wish he would just walk away. Um, that would be using the word just, or I wish he would walk away. So do you see how easily you can remove the word just? Another, uh, another filler word that um, I try to avoid is the word very. So very really doesn't mean all that much. Um, it's a weak adjective. Um, and it's definitely something that can easily be just eliminated from writing. A couple others, the word really. Uh, another one that is very popular, the word literally. It's extremely overused and it really does not mean, and I just used the word really, um, but literally really is very bad. <laughs> 
um, the word totally, you can just eliminate. It's a filler word. Um, some other words that I consider kind of condescending that you might include in some of your articles and not intentionally. So saying something like due to the fact that, um, you know, it, or in order to, uh, the word perhaps, the word actually I consider to be in some cases sounds, comes across as condescending. Um, so I would always try to avoid the word actually. Um, the word with is also overused. So check and see if you're using that and just do a quick find and see if that's something that you can eliminate from some of your writing. So all of these are kind of a roundup of my pet peeves and I just, I'd like to give this feedback to my writers before I start writing, before I start working with them and proofing things that if I could avoid having to delete and edit some of this out right away, I'd rather do that. And I think what you'll find um, by either giving this feedback to your writers or using this in your own writing exercises is that you'll end up with um, articles or content that it is much cleaner and easier to read. I'm going to transition now into some optimization tips when it comes to writing. So alt tags. So alt tags are associated with images that you might include in your blog or your article. And um, what alt tags do is it's a way to um, identify a picture for somebody that might not be able to um, see the picture. So we like to recommend, and it's, it's part of um, an optimization process of an article, is to assign an image an alt tag and make sure you use a relative or a relevant keyword phrase. So for example, if the picture is a book and the book is called Social PR Secrets, the alt tag could be called Social PR Secrets book. So it's just able to identify in words what the picture is by somebody either hovering over that picture and that alt tag will come up. Um, so making sure that you're paying attention to alt tags and if you haven't been, go back and look and see, and that might be an easy fix, an easy optimization fix to your past articles and blog posts. Another optimization tip when it comes to using images is to make sure that you are saving your image file name with a keyword phrase that is associated with the article topic. So as an example, if I'm writing an article about using CBD in mojito recipes or using CBD in drink mixes, if I have an image that is of a mojito, then I am going to name that image file name Mojito Recipe CBD, or I'm sorry, I'm going to name that image file name CBD Mojito Recipe versus the file name might be a bunch of numbers and letters that mean nothing. So if you name your image file name using a keyword phrase um, that your audience could potentially be searching for and you want to come up, that will help you come up in Google image search. So it's, it's, it's very low hanging fruit. It's an easy step to miss. If you wanna skip over it, nobody's probably gonna be checking your image file names. Um, but if you just do a search for different keyword phrases in Google that you might wanna be ranking for for your brand, maybe it's your product, maybe it's describing your product, um, see what images come up and see how you could possibly influence uh, your images coming up in search. Next, I'm just going to walk you through how to write the perfect blog post. 
and some of the key ingredients of the perfect blog post, or we could call it the perfect anatomy. So you have your headline, and the goal of that headline is to grab attention. It's the first thing somebody's going to see, and it serves one goal, and that is to grab somebody's attention. Then you're going to have your opening hook. So this opening paragraph is going to be possibly three to four sentences. Um, and again, this is sometimes called the subhead. And it's going to be the next layer of, I try to keep the who, what, where, when, and why in this opening paragraph or subhead so that somebody can basically get just a quick summary of what this article is going to be about past the headline. Um, next, you want to you look at your subhead and your content, call to action. One other thing I want to talk about is links and what happens when you put links within an article or you don't put links in an article. So if you have an article or a press release, you're going to want to make sure you include internal and external links. And why would you want to do this? So if you have an article and you don't have any links at all, somebody's going to go to that article and move on. They're not going to be, you're not giving them any reason to possibly read another article from your blog or another associated article. And you're also not giving attribution if you're using outside sources, such as if you're citing a statistic or you're quoting somebody about um, commenting on something that you're writing about. So that those would be two opportunities to use links. So an internal link would be making sure that you're linking to other content within your blog or your website that would make sense for the reader to possibly click through and stay within your domain. If you don't have internal links, then you're basically just not taking, not taking advantage of an optimization opportunity to keep people on your site for longer and keep their interest going. So leading them possibly from one article to the next, um, as long as your content is well-written. An external link is something that is going to take them off of your site and onto a relevant article that makes sense that it's connected. So if you're citing a statistic and a source and somebody wants to click through and see more about that study that that statistic came from, then that's a good idea to optimize and use an external link to show people that source or they might want to read in more detail about the study. So making sure that you're using a mix um, of internal links and also external links that are going to um, be within Google standards. And so I recommend taking some sort of an SEO um, writing course or doing your own self-study on, on SEO writing. And there's, I mentioned Yoast is a great source. Also Moz offers some great guides and so does um, WordStream. Those are my um, top pet peeves and social PR secrets when it comes to writing. And just to sum it up, making sure that you have um, an attention grabbing headline. This, a headline can sometimes take longer to write than the actual article. You wanna really come up with a great headline and don't try to get it right the first time. You can come up with a working headline and then use the headline analyzer from CoSchedule to help you come up with other ideas. 
Next, you want to make sure that your article is going to be optimized and that it has the meta title, meta description. Um, it has the keyword phrase, focus keyword phrase, and maybe has some secondary keyword phrases or synonyms. You want to make sure that you're writing in short paragraphs and that you're using subheads and that you're using internal and external linking that is within Google's best practices. So you don't want to create spammy type of links um, that, that don't make sense because that will possibly get you penalized by Google. So you want to stay you know, within the, the Google best, best practices with all of that. Um, and then making sure that you're avoiding filler words and your writing is very clear and concise and that you are also, if it's appropriate, um, ending your article with a conclusion and also some sort of a call to action that is going to be helpful, useful, and relevant to your reader. Uh, keeping in mind now with your images, you want to use a, um, a, a visual that's going to be some sort of a storytelling visual, and that image or video needs to be optimized. So if we're talking about an image, making sure that you save the image as a file name that has a keyword phrase associated with it and also possibly your brand name and that you're using alt tags for your images. The more multimedia and the more visuals you can include um, in an article, um, the better. That is my opinion. So you want to include something that is going to make it very visually appealing to just glance at an article and get an idea of what it's about. I highly recommend using the Yoast Premium plugin, so the paid version of Yoast, with your blog, because it not only walks you through the steps of readability and also being making sure that you get the green light on SEO, but it has tons of educational articles to teach you why it's asking you to do certain things. So if you're in the PR world, or even if you're not in the PR world, and you wanna get the most out of the articles that you're writing, then I highly recommend some of these social PR secrets that I shared with you today. And if you have any tips that I did not share, please, I encourage you to DM me and we will add them to the show notes. Thank you so much for this solo session. I hope you got a lot out of it and namaste. Thank you for listening to this episode of Social PR Secrets. If you like what you heard, check out the book on Amazon or follow our blog at socialprsecrets.com. This episode was sponsored by The Buyer Group, a social PR agency striving to keep our balance in the digital world, practicing public relations, social media, and search marketing, while occasionally drinking a glass of wine or two for the best creativity and results. Thank you all for tuning in. If you would like to get a free chapter of Social PR Secrets, go to socialprsecrets.com slash free.